eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake, joined as always by Gabby Urrutia. And we are going to have our typical Monday podcast here where we kind of, you know, after watching the game again, getting away from the emotion of the instant reaction podcast, uh, take a step back, watch the game, and kind of have a better view of, of how the game actually went. So we will share some of our thoughts after re-watching it. Gabby's got some recruiting stuff to touch on here after uh, some prospects visited the game and he was out at some high school games as well. Um, and then we'll take a break and we will discuss some of the latest injury news and notes uh, that came out of the press conferences and touch on some of the major points that Manny Diaz, Rhett Lashley, and Jonathan Patkey shared with the media going into this Michigan State game. So, Gabby, let's jump into it, man. Um, I'll let you go first here, right? So maybe after watching the game again, what? give me like one big takeaway you had that you were like, huh, I guess my, my feelings initially from after the game have changed now that I've seen this uh, in the rewatch. Yeah, um, to me, it was just like, I mean, just some of the things I noticed uh, it just seemed like a couple of little things that could have, that sort of made like a big difference, at least on the scoreboard, like, um, you know, just rewatching the game, uh, Mike Harley, uh, you know, he dropped yeah. a third down, what would have been a third down conversion in the red zone that eventually led to a field goal attempt that was blocked. So my, uh, Mike Harley catches that ball. Does Miami score a touchdown that drive? Is it just an easier field goal that maybe they're just like, Will you know, Mallory to too. Early. Yeah. Will Mallory early in the game. Um, the illegal, I mean, you see the illegal formation, I mean, just watching it back. I mean, that's, that's seven yeah. points right there. Um, another thing I noticed in the third quarter, uh, it, it's a pretty, it turns out to be a pretty good throw, but, uh, Derek King finds Charleston Rambo. I think it ends up being like a 25 yard catch. Um, uh, but he puts it like maybe like a little bit behind him where he kind of had to catch it and, or put it like more on the sideline where he had to like tippy toe, almost like he ends up getting two right. feet down, but I think if that's a clean pocket and De'Ara King has time to just like sit back there and let it rip, I think he hits Charleston Rambo in stride for an explosive right. touchdown. Um, so, you know, I think it's little things like that where like, you know, if the offensive line is a little better, just provides better protection that one play, I think you see a long touchdown. 
Mike Harley catches that ball. I mean, I think you're getting rolling. I think you can argue that potentially there's a touchdown on that drive. And then the illegal form. I mean, that's potentially 21 points, you know, right. of worth of plays. And that's just three, that's just literally three plays that I mentioned there. So um, to me, it's just little tiny things that could have made a, that did make a big difference uh, in the game and all that stuff. So those are my one, major takeaways. One thing I felt after watching the game and look, he didn't start the game well. Um, and so maybe that kind of tainted how I viewed his overall performance for the whole game. But really, I, I do think Derek King played better than I initially thought, you know, immediately after the game. Um, and, and I think maybe the, all these throws might have been in the second half. I forget exactly when in the game they were. But he threw three pretty impressive balls. Um, one, the, the Keyshawn diving catch, which, you know, great play by Keyshawn as well. Um, he also had a nice one where he's kind of rolling out, avoiding pressure, threw it to Keyshawn a little bit across his body for a nice gainer. And then you mentioned the Charleston Rambo on the sideline. Yeah. You know, if, if it was perfect, it, it probably would have been a touchdown, but still nonetheless, it, it was a nice throw yeah. on the sideline. Nice job by Charleston to get his feet down. So overall, and then, you know, as well, I do think in the fourth quarter, Derek decided to take what the defense gave him in terms of, you know, App State was doing a lot of drop eight coverages and, and Derek noticed that and decided and understood like, it's time for me to start using my legs. It's time for me to run and, and pick up yards with these easy run lanes uh, because of that deep, those defensive looks. So, you know, was it the greatest per performance by Derek? No, but in my opinion, you know, I don't know, like these recent quarterbacks here in recent years at Miami, I don't know if any of those guys win that game like Derek does. Yeah. Um, so he certainly needs to clean stuff up, certainly needs to be better moving forward. Um, but still, you know, he wasn't necessarily the issue, in my opinion, the biggest issue, I guess I would say with the offense. What, what do you think is the biggest issue? Do you because again, we kind of said this after the game, it's a lot of things, right? So yeah. it's hard to just like pinpoint it on one thing. I think if I'm forced to pinpoint it on one thing, it's inconsistency from the offensive line. Yeah. Um, you know, I think in general, the pass protection is ahead of the run blocking, which is weird to me. I mean, that's been the case now for a <laughs> couple of years, I feel. And I don't understand it because run blocking should always be easier. Um, but for some reason, you know, guys decide to block the wrong guy, etc. You know, I'm, I was disappointed, honestly, with Navon Donaldson in the game. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my take. I, I feel like if the run game can get going, it has a domino effect on everything with the offense, right? Third down situations become third and short rather than third and long. Uh, when you get into the red zone, if you can run the ball, you score touchdowns rather than settle for field goals. Mm -hmm. um, if you can run the ball with some consistency, it would allow Miami to get into their tempo offense, um, which is what they want their identity to be, right? They want to play fast. And I think they've struggled to get into their identity because they can't get the run game to be somewhat of a threat 
particularly early in the games, right? Um, and so they, they're kind of, they don't have an identity, it, it looks like, at the start of games. So to me, the biggest, if I had to say this is the biggest issue, now there's not just one issue on the offense right now. It would be the offensive line, specifically with run blocking. Yeah. Do you agree with that, or do you have another issue no, I, to highlight? No, I, I do. I do, and I think a part of it is just like, I feel like they're just very insistent on just like kind of running the ball up the middle. I think the two best runs on the, of the day came when they, just like rewatching the game again, just like, I feel like they came on sort of outside runs, like off like the outside shoulders of the tackles. I know Don Chaney had a, a nice run in the first quarter that was, I mean, kind of right behind Zion Nelson, just coming right off his shoulder, and he had a nice run. Then in the third quarter, Cameron Harris's biggest run of the day was a 19-yarder we came off the right side off yeah. the outside of justice all the way since. So, I mean, I would like to see them maybe try to run it more off the tackles a little bit. I mean, it just Agreed. seemed like that's what was working more. Like I, I feel like that was maybe if it's just like, I just feel so, and I get it. You want to be able to run the ball up the gut. You need to be able to hit those runs. Like absolutely. And they need to do a better job of blocking for them. But if they're not hitting right now, I think you just need to like, and if you have something that is working, like it did feel like it was pretty successful running outside and it, it didn't happen very often. So it's just like, why not maybe just change up the way you're running the ball a little bit so you can still run the ball successfully. Maybe it's not exactly how you want it to be, but I mean, man, if it's there, just take it. So I, I agree mean, with that observation. And honestly, I think like dating back to high school, even Cam Harris was better at running off edge, off tackle. Yeah. And he is, uh, you know, inside run game. I do think, you know, Rhett Lashley would say, as a response in terms of the up the middle running, right? His response would be, well, our run game primarily is predicated on a numbers in the box situation, right? And so he would say, look, if, if it's five guys in the box, we're going to hand, we, we should hand off all day long and we should win those matchups because it's, you know, five on five. And when that's the case, Miami's offensive line should be able to impose their will. Yeah. They have not been able to do that. Mm -hmm. So I agree though, but you know, my response to that would then be, okay, you got to make some sort of adjustment if it ain't working. If, yeah. if the guys can't exactly. get the push, you know, maybe start working more of an outside game. Um, I agree with you. The drops were killer. You know, yeah. that will Mallory drop. Brutal. I think it was a dime. By Derek, uh, I think it would have gone for 20 plus yards. You know, that was a third down and five situation. So that was, that was a killer. Um, one guy that caught my eye and I'd like to see more of him. I don't know if we actually will right now, but I got excited by what he showed. Uh, I think I know who you're going to go with Elijah Royo. Yep. You feel the same way? Yeah. Yeah. We didn't talk about this, so that's good. No. Um, yeah, he played, I guess, 10 snaps, right? Um, but he, they lined him up at fullback on Don Chaney's little one-yard touchdown run. He, he didn't necessarily blow anything up, but he did lead the way for Don uh, to get into the end zone. Um, his little, you know, they hit him in the flat, you know, that tight end play we see every game. That two-play series, because right after that, he has that big block. Right. He had a nice block for Charleston Rambo yeah. in the quick game, right mm -hmm. on the edge. So to me, it just shows maturity that he can handle the blocking at the college level for a true freshman. And on the little rollout, 
we saw the speed, right? His ability to turn up field yeah. as a tight end. Shed a tackle. Yep. Pick up some yards after the catch. So I don't know how they work him into the offense more. I don't know if they can get him and Will on the field together more. Um, but but there's something there to, to um, tap into more, in my opinion, uh, right now. So I, I was very excited about what Elijah Arroyo flashed. Do you have anything else to touch on with offense or should we go to defense? No, I think we can, I think we can go to defense. So defense, you know, just the big picture thing I, I felt um, after watching it again, you know, look, I don't, and, and I think we felt this way coming into the season. Like, are there stars? Are there game changers on this defense? I would probably say no. Yeah. Um, but I do think this defense plays really hard, which matters in college football. You know, you don't want a defense like FSU that will loaf on a game deciding play at the end of a game, um, where you're going to lose an embarrassing game to an FCS opponent. Uh, Miami's defense is always playing hard. Um, you know, I think they they are playing more on the same page this year than what we saw last year, which matters in, in terms of containing explosive plays, which for the most part, I do feel like Miami uh, was able to do against App State. I do feel like the defensive line is noticeably better against the run this year compared to last year, just as a unit, right? Like Jalen Phillips and Quincy Roche are better players on the edge than what Miami has now. But the whole line, I feel like, is more in sync and defending the run much better. So that's kind of the, the first takeaway I had on the defense. What would you think about the defense after the rewatch? Yeah, um, I mean, I, th- I, I just really just kind of like what you're saying. I just thought they played hard. Um, I was just a little disappointed about I'm, – I'm, I mean, again, I know we said this instant reaction, but just kind of watching it back, it's just like it feels even more uh, disappointing just of, of the pass rush. Like I didn't feel like the edge guys really – just did a whole ton. I mean, outside of like that first quarter where Chance Williams was able to, you know, get a hand on the ball, Jafari Harvey get back, got back there with a sack. But, you know, I'm, I think that's still a concern. I, I think that's, into that's that. more of a concern of mine than it was before. I agree. I looked into that with the, the pro football focus numbers. And I will say Chase Bryce did a really good job of getting the ball out quick. Yeah. In general, you know, the, the, the general time, um, that separates whether or not you get the ball out quick or not is two and a half seconds. Okay. Uh, Chase Bryce was getting it out. I think at an average of 2.12. And I looked how that compared for all the starting quarterbacks in the country in week two, and he was getting it out the seventh fastest in the country. Wow. So okay. he did a good job. And I'm sure that was the game plan, yeah. right? Seems um, because we all know Chase Bryce struggles with pressure. Um, so I agree. Like they weren't, getting much pressure but the reason i think that explains that is because chase was doing a good job getting the ball out yeah um you mentioned this in in the in the uh instant reaction i agree like after re-watching it i think tyreek stevenson um you know played a good game in terms like the thing i like about tyreek is he just will battle the whole game mm-hmm. and look it's not perfect he does give up some plays, um, but he will fight like mad 
to make up for it when he does get beat. I feel like, you know, when you compare him to like, like DJ Ivy, for instance, right? When DJ gets beat or has his one or two bad plays in a game, it can be disastrous. Um, You know, it can be an explosive touchdown. I think Tyreek, you know, he'll give up some plays, but it won't be disastrous plays like that. Mm -hmm. And honestly, as that game progressed, he was legitimately good. He was breaking up passes. Mm -hmm. He was being physical. I feel like his physicality kind of wore down the app state wide receivers over the course of the game. I think with just real quick with DJ, yeah. Ivy, like if you watch the Cameron people's 26 yard run, I feel like DJ Ivy has a very good angle to put a hit on him. And he like, it is, it, it's like worrisome how, like how he like yeah. really backs off from that. Like if you're listening to this and you maybe didn't notice that, watch that Cameron people's 26 yard run, because I mean, it, it was, I watched it like three times. I was just like, I can't believe how he had an angle to just put a bot, like a, a nice clean body on him. And he just completely bailed. I agree. It was disappointing. Um, I I also think on that play too, Gabby, um, Gervin Hall, like on that play, App State motioned, I think it might have been a tight end out wide, and that caused Bubba Bolden to go out wide with him. Mm -hmm. And so when that happened, Gervin needed to rotate um, and, and be kind of the last line of defense safety. And he saw that too late and was rotating too late and so he, you know, you're right. The onus then became on DJ Ivy to try and yeah. make that tackle, but, at, and he didn't do it. And the effort was a little questionable, but also, you know, Gervin Hall needs to be better at recognizing that yeah. rotating over quicker. So he can be that last line of defense, which kind of brings me to the point in general. Like I thought Gervin had a rough game, yeah. quite frankly, mm-hmm. um, I thought he was a step slow on that long on the in the fourth quarter when App State was driving that they threw a long ball. I think it was like forty something yards. He was a step slow there. I don't think he was like. I think he right. could have been a little bit more physical on that too to potentially break that pass up. And Agreed. I think it was just like half a step, potentially a step just behind. And I mean, he gave him the opportunity to make that play. I just. I think, I think he, he also got sucked up. It might have been in the fourth quarter too. It was in the in the second half. App State ran a little kind of like a fake screen, like a fake short screen mm-hmm. to the right side, and the tight end got behind. Yep. Gervin got sucked in by the fake, and yeah. it was his responsibility to cover to the back. tight end. And Gervin bit too. That's what I mean. Yeah, Gervin, yeah. you know, he needs to be the guy that can't bite on that and be the yeah. last line of defense. So, you know, he needs to pick it up. Honestly, I don't know if there is necessarily a personnel answer there until Avante comes back. I don't like, I do think Cam Kitchens and James Williams will be good in time. I don't know if they're ready yet. You know what I mean? So uh, maybe as the season progresses, we'll see more of a rotation there with those guys. But I think right now, you know, Gervin and Bubba are going to be the guys. And the last thing I don't want to touch on Gabby defensively, um, Amari Carter, in my opinion, you know, I, I think this could maybe be said of Nesta too. I think Amari played the best game of his Miami career. You know, was it perfect? No, but he was flying around. He's very physical against the run. I feel like he was solid in coverage when he had to be, you know, I think that striker position is a tough position in general to play because everything they're asked to do, um, but I do feel like, you know, 
in my opinion, Amari has emerged as a better option there than what we saw from Gilbert Frierson last year. I thought he played well. Yeah. I mean, I feel like now he, I think he was one of the guys I highlighted as like, you know, yeah. one of like the key players coming into the game. I thought he was going to be going to have to play just a strong game, especially just with the run. We saw what he did with the pass too. I mean, just the instincts on that interception to come up and make that play was huge. Uh, yeah, man. I think Amari Carter is really coming into his own and even just like seeing him over the summer and stuff, I kind of had a feeling like, I mean, this guy looks a little bit different. I think that this position was built more for him. I think he's yeah. proving that he is more of a kind of in the box type of guy than he was like a, you know, a true safety or anything like that. So let's, let's uh, close the book on app state, you know, plenty for Miami to uh, learn from that game. Uh, and we'll see how they progress you know, against Michigan state this week. Um, and, and before we get into a break here, Gabby, let's touch on a little bit of recruiting, right? Mm-hmm. Miami had some guys at the game, some key targets, quite frankly, yeah. um, on the defensive side in particular, who are, who are the names to know that were out there and, uh, in general, just how was the turnout in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was – I didn't think it was a big turnout from, like, a numbers standpoint, but I thought who came was notable. Uh, I mean, you got Nigel e. Kelly in the building. Uh, you know, he's one of Miami's top defensive line prospects. We've talked about him at length here. Uh, Manny Diaz went to go see him briefly, you know, on Friday for his game against Miramar. Uh, for him to come down to the stadium, I think it was a big deal. Uh, Wesley Besaint, the, you know, linebacker out of Miami Central, another guy we've talked about a bunch. He was in there. Uh, you know, it was, again, always great to get these guys on campus. Wesley Bissaint spent a ton of time at UM over the summer. So to get him out, get him back at Hard Rock, I think was was a big deal. Uh, then, I mean, in the class of 2023, probably going to be their top defensive target in the class. And that's Cormani McLean, the five-star corner um, out of Lake Lynn Lake Gibson. He has a ton of picks. I think he has like 14 picks in nine games or something like that. Like ridiculous. just ridiculous numbers. Um, he got there. I think that's a really big deal that he was around. Uh, yeah. you know, he was one of the last guys through the gate, uh, but you know he made his way down. He spent the whole day Sunday at Miami as well. Wow. Um, so I mean, kind of used you know one of those unofficial visit days that we saw a lot during the summer. Uh, this is just an in-season one, so it was you know really big to get him on campus and and have him spend some time around the program. So. And then a couple other guys there, especially in that 2023 class, you got Hakeem Williams, a big wide receiver, the top 247 guy. You got uh, top 247 defensive lineman Ruben Bain out of Central, another guy spent a ton of time in Miami. His uncle is Tolbert Bain, so some of you old-school Miami fans will probably recognize that. And you got top 247 cornerback uh, Antonio Robinson, who's another guy that, uh, you know, DeMarcus Van Dyke and those, those guys uh, kind of like as well. So definitely got some big defensive talent. Uh, you got some up offensive guys mixed in there too. A couple offensive linemen in that 2023 class. You got Jordan Church, who's out of Fort Myers Dunbar, and you got DeAndre Duffus out of Hollywood Chaminade Madonna. Uh, so that's a school a lot of Miami fans are familiar with. Keontre Smith, Corey Flat, uh, not Corey Flag, uh, to Corey Couch, uh, those types of guys. Um, so yeah, man, you got some, you got some, some good talent. Again, I think it was, it might have been like 15, 16 guys in total, but you know, all basically notable names that you know, are important to Miami fans, this cycle and next cycle. And then you were at, um, well, I guess you went to two games technically, right? Because of the lightning delay. Tell us where you were at in terms of high school games over the weekend and, and what you saw. Yeah. So, um, I originally went to St. Thomas Aquinas and American heritage. Uh, they played probably about, they probably played about a quarter 
And then there was like an hour and a half lightning delay. So I drove down to, to uh, pace uh, where Manny Diaz and Jess Simpson were watching Shamar Stewart play. Uh, I caught like the end of the first half there before I got word that Aquinas and Plantation American Heritage were back up. So me, like a crazy person, got back in my car, went all the way back up to Broward County and uh, finished up that game. It, I mean, I thought it was overall a really good game. I mean, two Broward County powerhouses, you know, that's always like a, a huge matchup whenever those two guys play. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, Brandon Innes was was awesome. Uh, I yeah. thought Julian Armello was the best I've seen him play. Like since, I mean, over the last two years, while he was at Columbus last year uh, at St. Thomas Aquinas this year, I think this was the most impressive performance I've seen from Julian Armello. He didn't play the whole game. Cause I think he was like dealing with, I think he was like sick or something, but not like super sick like that. But I think they're just kind of working him in. He probably got like 20 snaps maybe, but like just really, really impressive the way he sort of moved him around. Garen justice was there watching him stuck around through the lightning delay all that stuff. When all the other college coaches left, Garen Justice stuck around to see Julian Armella, and uh, I think it was worth it. Uh, overall, it was a good game. St. Thomas Aquinas came out with a win. Um, uh, probably a top performer for me on American Heritage sideline, and that has ties to Miami. Uh, Damon Fagan, the top 247 safety, actually just wrote about him on the site now, so you can check out that conversation at Inside the U. Uh, I had some questions about his ability to tackle coming into this game after watch, watching him against IMG and Treasure Coast, I thought that he was maybe not doing the best job at that. And I saw, I thought he played his most complete game uh, as a safety against that St. Thomas Aquinas team. I thought he really kind of turned it up a notch. I thought he was, I thought it was the most physical that he had been. Um, I thought it was just the most sort of aggressive he had been and just sort of seeking uh, physicality rather than just like letting it come to him. Uh, so I was, I kind of liked to see that after a couple performances where you know, maybe a little bit shakier. Uh, I'm sure they got that on tape and I'm sure that was something he was made aware of because I thought it was pretty obvious uh, throughout those first two contests. So it was cool to watch that. Uh, overall, really good game, man. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas again came out with the win. Uh, fans were crazy. I mean, it was a packed house, like probably the coolest high school football environment that I've been, uh, that I've been able to experience at this point. So, you know, cool. overall pretty good weekend. What is the sense? I, I know, I mean, it seems like he's not in a rush to make any type of decision, but what is the sense on Julian Armella right now? Like, is there a school who's thought of as being kind of the team to beat right now? Yeah, um, I would. I mean, I think the betting favorite right now would probably probably be LSU. Uh, okay. He has two of his former teammates, Marlon Martinez and Marcus Dumerville that are there. I think the idea of playing with those two guys in college has always been sort of attractive to him. Uh, he just set up, he told me at the game, he just set up an official visit to go see Alabama for the LSU game. So, you know, okay. I think LSU is sort of like the common theme here. Uh, but yeah, I think Alabama's in the mix. Uh, Florida State, you know, he's a Florida State legacy, so they're in the mix too. I know Florida's in there too. He's teased a top four, hasn't really dropped it yet, but um, I've heard that Miami will probably be, be on the outside looking in of that okay. top four uh, once that does drop, but we'll see how it goes again. Garen just was there to see him in person. Uh, that could always change. You know how recruiting super fluid, man. You never know how it right. goes. And, and we'll, we'll go into our break after this, but in general, Gabby, you know, you are around, you know, the recruiting staff, quite frankly, at the game, right? So what, what kind of vibe do you get that, you know, where Miami is at, from a recruiting standpoint right now in terms of, you know, 
how do they feel about their class? Are they, you know, worried about how things are trending with maybe some of their big targets, or is it kind of just stay the course and we're going to continue to target our top targets? And if we miss on them, we're not going to reach. We are going to hit the transfer portal. Do you get any sense on, on anything about that? Yeah, I think it's more of what you just said there at the end, David. I think it's more of like we're going to go get our guys, and um, and if we don't, uh, we're probably going to go portal. I do think there's some flexibility in terms of just like some positions, like for example, uh, Miami Palmetto wide receiver Mike Jackson. He was right. at the game. Um, you know, when when I found out he was going to the game, I was like, oh, it's because he's playing Appalachian. They're playing Appalachian State. You know, that's a school he's also right. you know highly considering. So I thought he wanted to go see them. Uh, then he, he turns around and he gets invited to Miami's practice on Sunday. He goes there and, uh, you know, he's someone from my understanding that, you know, Miami's sort of kicking the tires on to see like, you know, what they're feeling there from what I'm gathering. They sort of see him as like a return specialist. He's right. returned a bunch of kicks for touchdowns, you know, throughout his high school career. Um, you know, he's just like a, a really, really fast guy that does that at a high, just as a sort of natural. So, um, it seems like he's someone that they can turn around. So I think there's a little bit of flexibility, but overall, you know, just based on conversations I had on the sidelines of games Friday night, um, based on, you know, what I sort of heard at the gate, it seems like they sort of want their guys. They're going to go after their top guys. And, um, you know, if, you know, may, maybe, again, maybe at defensive line, there's maybe some places where they're maybe looking to see what's, what else is out there. But otherwise, I think that, you know, they're very much going to stay the course on who they want and they feel pretty confident about their ability to go into the portal and potentially grab a guy that's, you know, game ready um, right. to bring into the program rather than maybe start going to those plans C because you don't want to add, they don't, I don't think they're, they want to add people they don't feel like is up to the standard of what they personally expect for their program at this point. Mike Jackson, do you like that as, because I'm cool with if the guy's a special returner, give a guy a scholarship. I don't think you need to necessarily take one of those types of guys every cycle or even like every two cycles. Um, but do you, do you like that, you know, having going after a guy like Mike Jackson? Um, I feel like I've kind of gone back and forth. Like I, I think Mike Jackson, again, I think he's a special, he is a special return man. Right. And then how often can you go get one of those guys? It feels like Malik Curtis was sort of that guy Fair. last cycle. Right. Um, you know, again, fa both fast guys, both electric in the return game. I mean, you potentially put both those guys out there, you know, returning kicks like one next to uh, ne one next to the other on kick returns. I think that you will have as dynamic of a kick return duo at one point as anybody, at least from a, just a top end speed standpoint, a shiftiness standpoint. But, um, you know, I think as a receiver, a like just like a full all in receiver, uh, you know, I kind of like what they have maybe more than Mike Jackson. And again, that's not a sure. knock on him. I'm just, I, I am a fan of Landon Ibieta, Isaiah Horton. I, I think sort of fits the bill of what they're looking for. That big six foot, 390 pounder uh, to sort of add some length and height. Uh, Mike Jackson, probably around that five, nine range, maybe 150, 160 pounds. Um, so I think it really just, I, if you, if it's as a return specialist, I can dig it uh, as just like a pure wide receiver. Um, I don't know. I, I think project. I'm still in wait and see mode. Yeah. On that yeah. One. All right. So anything else to touch on with recruiting or jump into the break? Yeah. Let's do, we, I think we can jump into the break at this point. All right. So we'll take a break here and we will share kind of the notes and, from the press conferences on Monday and jump a little bit into peeking ahead at Michigan State.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, we are back, Gabby. So let's just start with, you know, the injury news coming out of the press conference. I'm, I'm sure all, your, all you diehard Canes are already aware, but Don Chaney officially out for the season. Kind of looked that way, you know, during the game when we saw him on the sideline with his leg and the immobilizer brace. Um, wish Don all the best in his recovery there. That's, that's tough. Um, cause I do feel like, you know, he was starting to kind of get going. Um, when the injury happened, he had a nice little run there right before the injury. Um, so he's out for the season. What does that mean? It means, you know, with Jalen Knighton still having two games left on his suspension, um, that means Miami will now turn to Cody Brown most likely. I mean, they also throw Thad Franklin's name out there. So two, two true freshmen, Cody Brown, Thad Franklin. We've kind of heard in fall camp that Cody Brown was ahead of Thad Franklin. Seems that way still, right? I, I think he's going to get the first crack at the backup duties. Um, but frankly, Gabby, I, I kind of expect more – like, I just think this means heavier workload for Cam Harris. Would you yeah. agree with, like, I do think we'll see Cody Brown, but I wouldn't necessarily expect to like, cause Don Chaney and Cam were kind of like a 60, 40 split mm-hmm. in, in terms of snaps. I would expect maybe an 80, 20 split, maybe 85, 15 split between Cam Harris and Cody Brown. What, what do you expect, you know, at that position in these two games, you know, with Jalen Knight still suspended? Yeah, uh, I would probably lean that, that way too. And even with like De'Ara King sort of being more of like the running, the true running back too, uh, you know, as a guy that could obviously be dynamic with his legs, we saw what he did uh, this past Saturday. It felt like he was really like the second running back out there anyways, even if it wasn't always by design. Correct. So, yeah. you know, there is always that extra threat of, you know, a runner in Derek. But, you know, I think that a lot of what we saw uh, in that second half, especially against Appalachian State, where it was just Cam Harris was basically like not coming off the field. Um, I would probably expect to see a lot more of that unless Cody Brown shows, um, again, who I, I would expect of the two to kind of come out of that Cody Brown, unless he shows something significant this week where they'll feel comfortable putting him in a situation to get major carries in, you know, a primetime national television game at noon. So super hot in South Florida. I think there's a, you sure. know, that's I would fair. expect to see uh, – I would probably expect to see a lot of Cam Harris. 
Yeah. And, and honestly with Cody Brown, and this goes for every young running back, right? It boils down to pass protection. You know, can they be depended on in that phase? And, you know, that's always kind of a, it's usually a dicey situation for most freshman running backs because they don't really have to do that much in high school. Um, but it is important at the college level. So, uh, I agree. It'll be a big week for Cam Harris, big opportunity. I do think we saw against Appalachian state, right? Cam Harris and whether that was just due to the body blows, you know, over the course of the game, you know, app state wearing down defensively, it did seem like Cam Harris found a little bit of a rhythm as that fourth quarter progressed. Right. Um, so hopefully Cam Harris can find that rhythm a little sooner. Um, and, and again, a lot of that has to do with the run blocking. Um, but he will definitely get a chance to show what he can do as, as the lead back in these next two games. The other injury news, Keontre Smith, I guess it's a little better news maybe than, than what Manny Diaz expected immediately out of the game. It sounds, I mean, he's Keontre is going to miss some games, um, but they, Manny Diaz on Monday said that there's a chance Keontre is available after the bye week, which would be the North Carolina game. I believe on October 16th is the date of that game. He said it's some sort of like knee issue with Keontre, but uh, Manny didn't go into much detail about the specifics of that injury. So what does that mean? It essentially means Miami will elevate Wayman Steed uh, to the starting role. And then the, the question to find out was, okay, who's going to back up Wayman Steed um, at weak side? Who's going to rotate in? And Manny Diaz, you know, let it be known that it's, it's going to be Avery Huff, who was a highly touted recruit coming out of, I believe the 2019 class, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it'll be interesting. I'm excited to see what Huff does with this opportunity um, because I do think he's the most athletically gifted linebacker in terms of speed. Um, I do like his length. You know, he's still a little bit on the thin side, um, but he can really run. And I think he can do a nice job covering as well. To me, the big question with Avery, whenever we've watched him, the little bit we've been able to watch of him is instincts. You know, he does kind of struggle with taking the correct tackling angles at times. Um, and so while he is fast, he at times will find himself out of position and unable to make easy plays that he should make routinely. So and Jonathan Patkey, he talked to us today. He essentially said that as well. Like he's excited to see what Avery Huff does when he throws him into the fire of this game. So I'm curious. Hopefully, I think the best case scenario is Avery gets in there and, and he's just a gamer. Just a gamer, right? Because <laughs> physically, physical gifts, like he is much more impressive than Wayne Minsteed, right? So that's what's going on at linebacker. How, how concerned are you about that, the linebacker situation? Because, I mean, we'll get into it here in a little bit with Michigan State, but it's definitely, like, if I am Michigan State, it's, some, it's a weakness point that I'm going to keep pushing on during the course of that game. Yeah, I, if I'm, I, I'm fully expecting Michigan State to 
go straight after whoever's at that, Steed, at that yeah. will spot. Yeah, just go straight after Steed. Run at Steed. Uh, run it just to that side of the field. I mean, I think you have like the two opposite ends of the spectrum. You have like Amari Carter, who's potentially playing like the best football of his like Miami career, like at striker on that on that one side of the field. And then you have Wayne Minsteed, potentially Avery Huff, who has little like almost no experience at all yeah. in like any of these of them, yeah. on a big stage like this. Um, you just I, I don't feel great about it. It is what it is. I mean, you can't control the injuries. You just got to recruit, man. You got to recruit and make sure well, you that you have talent. guys. You got to stack talent, David. You got to stack talent. They obviously have not done that. I mean, Huff was a talent, but, you know, there's right. obviously something else missing there. But you got to continue to just keep building those guys. Like we talked about last time, when you add these four stars and you add another four star, another four star, mathematically, you're going to hit on at least one of right. them, right? So you just got to keep – you got to keep – adding guys and keep finding guys so that you're not in this situation again. Cause this is not a fun situation to be in, you know, year right. three or year four into Manny Diaz's tenure. And, you know, I a did couple ask, years removed from Mike Pickney. I did ask um, Manny Diaz too, like, cause you know, he mentioned all preseason how he liked the speed of that Keontre brought to that weak side linebacker spot, right? Keontre originally signed as a safety. They moved him to striker. Then this offseason, they moved him to weak side linebacker, right? So I asked him, you know, did you did you toy around with the idea of maybe moving Gilbert Frierson from striker to weak side or, you know, Chase Smith, who I think will end up being a linebacker eventually um, from striker to linebacker. And I even threw out James Williams but just because, you know, body type wise, he's fine. Yeah. I mean, he's bigger. Than Keon, than all these guys, quite frankly, we're talking about. So, uh, but Manny Diaz basically said, no, they're not really looking to do any of that kind of stuff right now. They're rolling with Avery Huff. So Avery's got a big opportunity and uh, that's sports, man. Like when you get these opportunities, you got to make the most of them. So I, I am interested to see how he does. Um, you know, the other Manny Diaz stuff, he, he, he mainly, uh, I think the only other thing he kind of noted during the press conference that was interesting, I don't know if you caught this, Gabby, but he did say he felt like the, the Alabama result uh, somewhat shook the program. Yeah. Um, what did you make of that? He said, he was basically saying it's, you know, it got everyone down in the program. So he was happy to see uh, the team come out with kind of a resilient, gritty win against App State. Did you find that interesting when he said that? Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I, I guess it kind of lines up with some things that we had heard. Like, you know, like I feel like they kind of came in with, well, I guess we had heard that the team had sort of like a chip on their shoulder. Like maybe they were like, you know, coming in. I, maybe it was just an eye-opening experience for them where, you know, I, I, again, I felt like they were, they felt confident going into that game, uh, obviously got punched in the mouth and you kind of have to, I feel like you have to kind of like recollect yourself. You know, I think you right. see it in sports a lot, you know, when you kind of get punched in the mouth like that, where you just have to like sort of like reevaluate who you are, maybe be reminded. And I think that's a process, you know, I, I don't think that's always like a one week, a five day fix or anything like that. So, you know, I think you just got to kind of, I think this Appalachian State win was big, you know, I, I mean, honestly, that sounds like you, you should beat App State, but just kind of, just re sort of remembering the feeling of what it is to win, 
uh, remembering that, you know, at times it could be hard to win and to sort of go through that process uh, and get that win, I think could be big on sort of maybe just helping them get back on track. So, I mean, yeah, I thought it was an interesting comment. I'm not super surprised. I mean, I feel like it's hard not to be right. Like, how are you not going to be shook after getting, you know, blown out right. by Alabama on a, in a big time stage in one of these opening kickoff games. So, I mean, it was nothing that was just like, Oh, Whoa, that's news to me. Like sort of, I feel like you've got to expect that. Um, so, I mean, that, that was sort of my take on, on that. Rhett Lashley spoke with us too. Um, you know, he, he essentially was just saying, look, we're getting it inside the 40 yard line. We're getting inside the red zone plenty. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just not finding a way to punch it in, in terms of touchdowns. We got to finish drives. So that's kind of his big mantra right now. When, when he was pressed on, you know, specifics in terms of what's wrong with the offense, he didn't really want to go into that kind of stuff. It, it did seem like, you know, he was willing to admit, you know, the run blocking, probably not great, not good enough, I guess I should rather say. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Again, I said this earlier, but when you can run the ball, then you, you know, you have a better chance of scoring in the red zone. You have a better chance of setting up third and short, et cetera. So um, he, he didn't necessarily want to come out and say that, but I think by the way, he was talking around it. That's kind of his sense. Um, and yeah, I do think too, he mentioned app state did a lot of drop eight coverages, which limited Miami's explosive touchdown potential, right? Um, Which I think is a fair point. Um, And and he did say, you know, look, if teams start to do uh, more drop eight coverages against us because it worked and, and, you know, football's a copycat game, uh, then they need to find ways to hit some underneath passes in which receivers pick up yards after the catch. So Mm. And that is an area where this team has not been very good through two weeks. Um, so those were kind of interesting things from Rhett, I think. Uh, last thing from the press conferences, Andy Borigales, uh, Jonathan Patke, you know, loved the way he came out and was clutch with his kicking, right? Um, but he was asked specifically on that kickoff return for a touchdown, you know, what do you expect of your kicker on that play, right? Because Andy was on the sideline as the kickoff return is happening. And, you know, he kind of made a little bit of an effort to, to tackle, I guess. Um, but obviously kickers aren't very good tacklers. So, um, Patkey was straight up asked, like, what do you want Andy Borgals to do in that situation? And, and Patkey basically said, you know, we need our kicker to force that return man to have to cut back inside. And if he cuts back inside on that play, we're then able to get him on the ground. So I thought that was interesting uh, that he felt like that kickoff return outside of, you know, guys spilling it to the wrong side of the field. Um, he felt like as well, if Andy Borgas just made the guy cut inside a little bit more, they could have got him on the ground rather than, allow that kickoff return. So let's get into Michigan state little look ahead here. Um, Gabby, what stands out to you about the Spartans just early, early what we know, we haven't looked into them too much, but 
uh, obviously they they putting up some impressive stats offensively. Yeah, I mean, I think you, I think it, you look at Kenneth Walker. I mean, he's fourth in the yeah. country right now in total r- rushing yards, uh, second in the country with five rushing scores through through two weeks this, of the season. Uh, this is a Wake Forest guy who you know knows what it's like to play in the ACC, so it's going to be a very familiar sort of atmosphere for him. Um, you know, I think you got to, I mean, with a lot of these big 10 teams, I mean, you, I mean, we've played Wisconsin a million times. Um, yeah. you know, you gotta, you gotta be physical, you know, you gotta be ready for a physical game, a game that's, you know, they're going to have, they're probably going to be good on the offensive line. They're going to get that push again with that dynamic back, like Kenneth Walker, you're gonna, you're gonna have to be ready to stop the run. And I think that, uh, you know, I'm not exactly, I'm not expecting their defense to be out of this world or anything like that. Uh, you know, we, they did add a bunch of transfers, uh, so they're, they look a lot different than they did a year ago. Watching them last year, you would think that this is just not going to be a very good football team. But it seems like Mel Tucker sort of, you know, yeah. put this team in the microwave a little bit and, you know, just like sort of got them ready a little quicker than maybe, uh, you know, they probably would have been otherwise, you know, via the portal. I think the quarterback they got from Temple, uh, I'm not exactly sure what his name is, uh, but I know he's a guy that, you know, can sort of just move the ball around a little bit. Uh, but I mean, I'm going to be looking at Kenneth Walker and, you know, how Miami could stop the run. And, you know, I think everything else sort of takes care of itself after that. But I think that's probably the priority uh, if you're many Diaz in that defense right now. Yeah. So they did have a lot of transfers. You mentioned Walker from Wake Forest, Jaden Reed, who is their top wide receiver. He didn't transfer this off season. I think he transferred maybe a year or two ago, but he came from Western Michigan. Um, Corveris Crouch is a linebacker mm. from Tennessee. I think he was a top 100 recruit. Was, I think at one point he was like one of the top recruits and then he like yeah. slid down like just consistently. But yeah, I do remember that name. So, and he played a bunch at Tennessee. So there's some talent there. Uh, Chester Kimbrough, who is a corner, played at Florida. Ronald Williams, corner, played at Alabama. So yeah, they've, they've played the transfer portal game, tried to... Um, upgrade the floor of the team, I guess is the best way I would put it. Um, and yeah, you mentioned that the Temple quarterback, that's actually Anthony Russo, who played a lot at Temple, was in a quarterback battle with Peyton Thorne. Peyton Thorne actually beat him out. And, oh, okay. and, and Peyton actually, you know, he's actually looked decent. Um, you know, he's kind of the, the type of guy that does a good job of protecting the football, uh, makes you respect he's not like the most athletic quarterback but you have to respect his run game in the zone read run game um but michigan state does a lot of does a good job with him in terms of giving him throws on rollouts he's really good at buying time and throwing on the run um so he has been he's been a pretty good college quarterback these first two weeks um and yeah you mentioned kenneth walker so first play of the Northwestern game, their season opener game, what Northwestern, he pops a 75 yard touchdown. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's not, he's not the biggest back. He's not the fastest back. Um, he's 5'10, 210, you know, not blazing speed, but certainly fast enough to score from anywhere on the field. The, the key with Kenneth, in my opinion, um, once he does break, that first tackle it's dangerous then. So you got to get him out. He has very good contact balance once, you know, he kind of can run through contact. So 
they got to set the edge too because Northwestern was terrible with that. And it seemed like he got to the left edge in particular over and over and over again and just racked up yards. Uh, Jaden Reed, the receiver I touched on. To me, honestly, like just pure talent wise, he might be their best player on the team. Um, does a good job with 50 50 balls. I think he's accounted for 50% of their passing yardage. So he's a guy they definitely go to heavily. Um, so they got a nice little triplet there, you know, Michigan State level triplet with the quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. Um, they can definitely give Miami some issues uh, from a defensive standpoint. And then defensively, I agree with your take. Like they're not the most athletic bunch. Um, I would honestly probably say App State's defense has better athletes. Yeah. Um, but they're solid, you know. Um, Mel Tucker's Tuck, yeah, he's a defensive guy, right? The defensive guy. So he's gonna he's gonna put them in spots to have success. Um, they don't really have much of a pass rush in terms of just their defensive line. They have to kind of bring linebackers, it looks like, on blitzes, which they do get creative with. So they can be a confusing team to go against. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, let's, the early betting line, Gabby, um, it opened, I believe, at seven and a half, right? And I'm trying to pull it up now as we speak. This morning it was at six. Six? Okay, this morning I saw it at six and a half. It is now at six and a half. Okay. So, you know, you can get Miami for, you know, Miami and the points touchdown. What do you make of that? I personally don't like, I'm going to learn more about Michigan state as the week progresses. I don't feel comfortable with that right now from a Miami perspective. Yeah. What do you I, think? I, I mean, I don't either. So you, I remember texting you yesterday saying like, oh, what did the line open at? And you, you, I think you texted me that it was like six and a half or something like that, or, or maybe seven, seven and, and a half. half. Yeah. And I thought that you meant Michigan State was favored by seven and a half. And I was like, oh, that uh, makes perfect sense. Like in uh, my head, okay. I didn't even think twice about it. Like I promised <laughs> you, I was just like, oh, Michigan State opened that seven and a half point favorites. Like I get it. So, I mean, I think that tells you about where I, where I am a little bit, where I was just like not – I would not have been surprised if Michigan State opened as favorites. Like I literally initially thought that they were until I actually saw it myself and realized that you met Miami was seven and a half point favorites. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I do I, think the potential is there for Miami yes. to win by double digits. It's just my, you know, with this offense, I need to see it before I believe it. Right. I do think the pieces are there. I do think it could start clicking this week and Miami beats them by 14 plus, um, but if they mess around and, and play like they did against App State, it's going to be a one-score one game. Uh, could be another one-score field goal game. So six and a half for me, I don't really – I wouldn't touch it this week. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. And, and where are you at with, with Florida State, Wake Forest? How are you feeling about that line? <laughs> what's, the, what's that? I mean, how much is Wake Forest favored by there? I think I saw six and a half Wake Forest favorite. Oh man, bro, give me Wake Forest all day. <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, no, I I'm with you. Like, I feel like Florida State's just like that momentum team where it's just like, all right, you pack the stadium in a night game to open the season, and yeah, they'll stick around. But what are they going to do on a 
Saturday afternoon. Like again, like we five said, and a half you, now. It's dropping. Five and a half. Okay. Like what, what's Florida State going to do against again a home game on a home game like that against Jacksonville State, where not that many people are going to come. No one's going to be generating that outward that outside excitement about the game. Like I feel like that's where you kind of see who they are a little bit. And uh, you know, I'm not sure how they're going. Is it at Wake? Yes. Yeah, I'll take. I would take Wake minus five and a half to be. Completely yeah, honest. I think they could win by a touchdown too. Yeah. Florida, Alabama. Alabama's a 15 and a half favorite. Man, I road. think. I think Alabama. I mean, give me Alabama until like proven otherwise. Like, yeah, I'm I, I'm convinced Alabama is going to be everybody by about that margin. Like, what's the? I mean, what does the SEC look like now? Like, I thought Texas A&M, but they were just in a 10-7, you know, showdown with Colorado. LSU is LSU. Auburn is, I mean, not super great either. Like, I think they're going to lose to Penn State this weekend. So, I think Alabama might just beat everybody across the board by at least two touchdowns so it'll be interesting until the sec championship game appreciate all you guys listening uh we love college football we love the passion of the miami hurricanes fan base um love that you guys have these high standards for what you want the team to look like this season don't change uh till next time david lake and gabby rutia signing off Take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.